Greetings in our Lord's name this morning. Good to be here with you. Before I forget, I'd like to thank each one of you that have sent cards, gifts, in light of uh, Pastor's Appreciation Month last month. We thank you for it. All right, John says he'd like to second that. Okay, we're all grateful for it. I know we are. Uh, we appreciate you all too. You're a blessing to us for sure. So, uh, yeah, I going back to James five. I'll begin in the chapter five. <clears throat> I've entitled the message, The Deceitfulness of Riches, and I think they can be very deceitful. I'd like to, if I can, we might think of it in James's day of how it was. We might have similar things, but not here in the United States, maybe. Um, sort of, sort of not. But it was it was a pretty awful thing, <clears throat> in a way. Um, and I don't think that any of you are at this point. However, I'd like to say let's look at it and see if we, in any small ways, might be like this. Uh, I think we can be, and I, I'm I'm concerned that we are sometimes. So let's think about it. Deceitfulness of riches. Um, maybe I'll read the first seven verses. That's pretty much what I'm going to cover today. Uh, James chapter 5, verse 1. Go to now, you rich men, weep and howl for your miseries that shall come upon you. Your riches are corrupt and your garments are moth-eaten. Your gold and silver is cankered, and the rust of them shall be a witness against you, and shall eat your flesh as it were fire. Ye have heaped treasures together for the last days. Behold the hire of the labors who have reaped down your fields, which is of you kept by, back by fraud, crieth, and the cries of them that have reaped are entered into the ears of the Lord Sabbath and have lived in pleasure on the earth and been wanton ye have nourished your hearts as in the day of slaughter ye have condemned and killed the just and he doeth not resist you be patient therefore brethren to the coming of the Lord behold the husbandman waiteth for the precious fruits of the earth, and hath long patience for it until he received the early and the latter rain. Um, basically, might not say too much about verse 7, but verse 7 and 8 would go together real well. Thinking of riches, according to the National Endowment um, Financial Education, 70% of lottery winners... Uh, go bankrupt within a few years. Obtaining more money often leads to careless spending, 
uh, desire to be rich or richer than they even are, uh, they end up through the greed uh, to be a destructive way of life and the lives of the winners and their families eventually. So I was thinking of other ways that maybe people would get riches, but it would probably affect them the same way. The proverb writer tells us, labor not to be rich. Cease from thine own wisdom. And I like that phrase in there, cease from thine own wisdom. We need the wisdom of God, of course. It's not our wisdom. Uh, verse 5 of Proverbs 23 says, Wilt thou set thine eyes upon that which is not? For riches certainly make themselves wing. They fly away as an eagle toward heaven. <clears throat> Many people in our world today, and maybe among us, um, and when I say among us, I'm not just saying Mount Hermon, conservative people all together. Whenever I say that today, that's basically what I'm saying is overall. <clears throat> um, they have been eager to be rich. Uh, a lot of them experience hardship, failure, broken families. Uh, they're so engaged in that that it creates other problems and so I asked the question, what is the right approach to having riches, having things materially that we have? Many of us would be uh, considered rich in our world if we take the whole world as a whole. Um, that question, you know, I'm, I know I don't have the answers. But I do know that Scripture gives us some warnings and some directions about that that we can learn from. And James gives us some of those. And he, he is talking about the people that he associated with back there. And he was specifically talking to those he was uh, maybe in contact with or preaching to. Um, and he was also encouraging those who were misused in their time. And so when we look at James chapter 5 and verse 1, James starts here with a uh, sharp address to them. Uh, he says, go now. And I think in chapter 3, where is that? I'm not exactly sure. Um, oops, I turned too many back. Um, it's where he talks about if we say we're going to do this or that tomorrow, he uses the same words. Go, go now. Go to now. Ye that say we will do this or that tomorrow. He uses the same phrase there. It's come and hear what I have to say. Set up and pay attention. Uh, it's sort of a sharp address there. And he talks to you rich men. 
Uh, you might call them plutocrats. Uh, a plutocrat or a plutocracy is when rich people are in control of government. Uh, we might look at it a bit like socialism or something like that. Uh, and that's what James was addressing them as. Uh, in James's day in Rome, that's what it was, a government controlled and run by the wealthy. And so um, they would set their own things that they want to have done and the lower class could just suffer. And they controlled the legal system like their, their own chess set and often caused Christians to be persecuted and to be misused, even killed um, in their day. So like the individual in James 4.13 who planned, that's where it is, uh, chapter 4 and verse 13, go to now, you say today or tomorrow, uh, who planned if there is no God, and they plan as if there is no God. And, and I think these people in James's day basically lived their life as if there was no God. And so we always need to keep in mind that God is there God is watching. God is concerned about it. He understands what we think and why we do the things we do. I would like to make some general observations about rich and poor in the beginning here. And I don't think a lot of us would think this way at all, but there are people that, that have that kind of concept about being rich or poor. Um, Maybe the first one I'll make is we need not to emphasize or we need to emphasize that it's not true that the poor uh, go to heaven and the rich go to hell. I don't think James is talking about necessarily that riches are wrong. It's the way they were used that they were wrong. Uh, there are some people maybe that think because a man is rich, he must be living right. In fact, I heard a conservative person say something like that, and I was like, really? You believe that? Uh, God has blessed me, he said. I was, I was blessed abundantly. I must be doing something right. Well, no, not really. Uh, that's not true at all. Maybe it is. But uh, we can't think that way that because I'm doing, because I'm blessed, God must be okay with my life. So it's not true that the poor go to heaven, the rich go to hell. Um, as simple-minded as that sounds, there are some people that believe things like that. We have those that are poor without and poor within. Poor without means they have little possessions, 
and they also are have little of the world's good. They uh, the poor within, poor without is one that doesn't have Christ in his life. It doesn't have a lot of the world's goods in either. So then you have those that are rich without and rich within. These are individuals like we would think about Abraham, Job maybe, um, Joseph, some of the ones that were rich economically and they were rich toward God as well, spiritually. Then you have those that are poor without and rich within. Those that have very little of monetary things or worldly goods, but are born again. They're rich in faith. And we've often seen those kinds of people and, and they're a blessing. And a lot of us probably, whether it's true or not, would consider ourselves to maybe be in that category where we're not rich, but we have Christ within our lives and that's really all we need. We're blessed. We, we understand. I think one thing that we can be careful with that we don't measure ourselves uh, in a wrong way. Maybe your neighbor has a three-car garage and he has a pretty car to put in each one of them where you might just have a mediocre car and you know, so you comparing ourselves with others or our neighbors is not good in either. So, <clears throat> fourthly, then, those that are rich without and poor within, this is a group that James is addressing here, I believe. He is addressing those that were very wealthy outwardly with the world's goods, but within they had no relationship with God. And they lived their life that way as well. And so that's where James's rebuke comes in verse 1. Uh, the reason for that rebuke, uh, we see a couple of things And he also talks about a judgment here. Uh, your riches. He says, ye rich men, weep and howl for misery that shall come upon you. Your riches are corrupt and your garments are moth-eaten. With the usual frankness, James unflinchingly confronts the wealthy unbelievers in their doom. And I think we do well to consider uh, some of these spiritually unhealthy situations for ourselves. He says, weep and howl for your miseries that shall come upon you. Why should those that have riches and have everything they could wish for in their fingertips weep and howl at some point? Um... Uh, this weeping and howling means more of a shrieking. It's like a horrible thing. And the, the reason that James gives here first is why we know that your riches are corrupt 
and your garments are moth-eaten, your gold and silver is cankered. In those days, a person was basically displayed his wealth in three ways. That was food, clothing, and precious uh, metals. And so uh, those who were wealthy ate well, dressed extravagantly, and spent lavishly. There is a way that the wealth was robbed from that person that hoards. Food rots. Foods, I mean, clothes become moth-eaten. Gold and silver become tarnished. Those are the ways that he was saying is a judgment against you. Your gold and silver is cankered. Your rust of them shall be a witness against you. And you shall eat your flesh as it were fire. You've heaped treasures together for the last days. And you know, things can go bad. Things can rust. Things can go to nothing. And I think as just as riches spoil, things spoil monetarily and so forth, the attitudes of people also become poor um, and unloving. Wealthy things never bring happiness. We never find contentment. Uh, Many times we actually find disappointment. Um, People never have enough. I've worked for a lot of rich people in my time with Model Railroad. A lot of them were very wealthy. Uh, Some of them were average. But um, I was just recently reminded of that, thinking back over some of them. One was at my shop just recently, wanted to buy a few things. And I don't know, we had a conversation about, and I don't know how we got there, but he was talking about, he may may have enough, but he's sure not as rich as somebody else we were talking about. I don't remember who. But I thought, that's, that's how we see. We never have quite enough. The rich man always wants more. And so uh, we need to be careful where we set our heart upon. And I think that's the key. And we will see as we, we think about these people some. It, it really does grieve me when I see attitudes that people display in uh, our own conservative people at broad or at large. I feel like true colors show when you get between them and their billfold or when you they relate a story that happened to them where somebody got between them and their billfold. You really see what some of them are thinking James declares in that verse that your gold and silver is going to be a witness against you. There's several things here that they were doing at that time. And it begins in verse 4 here. It says, Behold the hire of the laborers who have reaped down your fields, which you have kept back, 
by fraud crieth, and the cries of them have that have reaped entered the ears of the Lord Sabbath. This was one thing they they did as as kept some of the proceeds from their people that they work for. The Lord Sabbath denotes God that reigns universally or sovereignly over every army, both spiritually and earthly. The Lord of hosts is the king of all heaven and earth. So uh, you, he knows about everything. They were getting rich from their day labors because it didn't pay a fair wage. William Barclay conveys in his uh, illumination of this verse, the day laborer in Palestine lived on a very tight um, money. He was always on the verge of, of um, starvation, really, starvation. And in their day, they paid people every day. Um, at the end of the day, they would give their wage. And if they didn't get their wage, they didn't eat. That was the only thing they had. They could, they could not come to a place where they could save money. Uh, they didn't have it. And so if he didn't get paid from that day, his family didn't eat because that would go for that uh, and that alone. And we, I'll read you some verses that goes all the way back in the Old Testament. Apparently, they also paid by day. Everybody, well, even Jesus talks about, you know, at the end of the day, the penny that was given. Um, I think it was more of an everyday payment. And it was for that. Deuteronomy 24 and verse 14 and 15 God said, Thou shalt not oppress an hired servant that is poor and needy, whether he be of thy brethren or of thy strangers that are in thy land or within thy gates. At his day thou shalt give him his hire, neither shall the sun go down upon it, for he is poor and setteth his heart upon it. If we were looking to eat, It'd be like waiting for supper when you get paid. And so I can see where he says, he setteth his heart on it, lest he cry against thee unto the Lord, and it shall be sent unto thee. Jeremiah twenty-two thirteen. Woe to him that buildeth his house by unrighteousness, and his chambers by wrong, that uses his neighbor's service without wages, and give him not for his work. And also Malachi 3.5 says, And I will come near you to judgment. I will be a swift witness against the sorcerer and against the adulterers and against the false swearers and against those that oppress the hireling in his wages, the widow, the fatherless, and turn aside the stranger from the right and feareth not me, saith the Lord of hosts. And so... We go all the way back there, and God had a special spot for those people that didn't pay like they should. And that's exactly what these people were, trying, were doing. 
they were fat and happy, as we'll see. Um, here James says, the cries of those labors have reached the God of hosts, the host of God, the sovereign one. I think there's a lesson there that, well, this whole thing can be a lesson to us and maybe we have to think about it in small ways that we might do the same thing. Do we pay a fair price for our labors? Do we pay a fair price at yard sales? I, I never forget one of the ladies over in Oak Grove area uh, from that church. She said she used to go to yard sales and God convicted her. Uh, she would go to yard sales and she would beat down the price, get it just as cheap as she could. And then she would go brag about it to her parents, or not to her parents, to her friends. Um, and then she bumped into this verse in Proverbs 20, verse 14. It says that the person says, It is not, it is not, saith the buyer, but when he has gone his way, then he boasteth. And she was so convicted with that that she obviously quit doing that. Um, there's a lot of ways that we could, we could do that. Marketplace might be another place. You go to buy something and you, you uh, talk it down or whatever. Let's be fair about it. Do we give our boss a fair day of work? Or do we, do we not do that? Do we goof off sometimes? I've figured it up one time. If you goof off 10 minutes a day, I forget. It was like over two and a half weeks of vacation that you get. If you just did 10, 10 you can figure it out sometime. Um, do we do some dishonest things in our, in our daily lives, our people that we work for or work with. James then rebukes the wealthy about living totally selfish in this. In verse 5, Ye have lived in pleasure on earth and have been wanton. Ye have nourished your hearts as in the day of slaughter. The picture that James gives us here is totally a picture of being unrestrained, gratification, eat, drink, and be married, get fat, and adds to get slaughtered. Uh, and the picture he's trying to, to give us is a picture of an animal that is penned up, and you give it all the feed that it can eat, right to the day of slaughter. In his commentary on James, Spiros, Zoidheits, I think is maybe the name, right? And I found this interesting. It's gross in a way, but this is the way it was, as I understand. In the day of Nero in Rome, was an interesting place to visit. Uh, in the middle of the dining room was something that looked like a well. 
And they would eat and eat and eat until they couldn't hold it. And this was where they got rid of it. And then they went back to eating. It's one of the grossest pictures I can picture in my mind. Of, but that's how they lived. Just no restraint. Gratification. And they were doing this from being the wealthy ones taken away from their day labors. They had those all working their fields, and yet they were, were doing this in their dining room and didn't care about them, even killed some of them. Nero was a man, but apparently lived like a pig. A horrible thing. Ye have condemned and killed the just, verse 6 says. And those people don't resist you. Um, 1 Timothy 6 says, But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain that we can carry nothing out. And we have, and having food and rain, raiment, let us therewith be content. But they that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare, and into many foolish and hurtful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. The attitude of wanting to get rich is a horrible attitude. Uh, just striving to get rich, to be wealthy. Um, there's many hurtful lusts and temptations, breaking of families, dad being gone, spending all his time making money, making, doing, trying to do all he can. Uh, there's just different ways that seeking riches, trying to get rich, is going to destroy you. It just is. And so we need to be careful. And the picture we get here from James, you know, I want to say, I know none of us are like that, but is there any kind of small way that we might sort of have attitudes that way or something? No, I don't think we cheat people, I hope not, um, do things, you know, looking in the rear view mirror, hoarding up riches, reap miserable dividends. What are we going to do when we get to judgment? <coughs> God will never ask to see our balance in our bank account. The only balance that is really going to make any difference is have our sins been forgiven. Is our balance right with God? If our balance is not right with God, we will suffer hell. That's just the way it is. Um, riches do not provide any relief in eternity. They won't do you any good. 
whether you have a lot or little. Solomon, one of the richest men who walked on this earth, wrote, Riches profiteth not in the day of wrath, but righteousness delivereth from death. It's just that way. Set not your heart on riches. Go to you now that are rich. Weep and howl for your miseries. Doesn't paint a, a good picture. The just acts of the unsaved will not be forgotten. God is watching. He's seen all this taking place. He sees everything in our life that takes place. Every unjust act that we did or sin that we did, He knows about. He can, it can be forgiven, and I trust it is under the blood. Throughout the book of James, another thought from the book of James uh, implies a lack of judgment today does not mean a lack of judgment in the end. So true. The lack of judgment today does not mean the lack of judgment in the end. And so we are all accountable for the things that we do. Um, the choices you make today, the decisions that you make, how you order your life is being written down. Thank God we can be forgiven for them. Some of the things that we've done and missed the point, God will forgive us for those things too. Shall we have a song? <clears throat>